Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, The Injured List, in the How Did You Hear About Podco section of the application. Welcome to The Injured List Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of The Injured List. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. Welcome, everybody, to The Injured List. This is your host, Brian Scott. Thank you for joining us once again. Today's episode is very special. As always, we have a guest, Alisa Al. She's a three-time world karate champion to go with many other accomplishments in the world of karate. She was the 2004 World Karate Federation individual gold titleist. She won two that year, marking the only time in the history of the sport or the first time, I should say, in the history of sport that anyone's ever done it. She's the only female to have done that accomplishment. She's a 2002 WKF champion, 2002 World Cup champion, 2002 Pan Am champion, two-time WKC world champion, three-time WKO world champion, a five-time United States of American National Karate Federation champion, and nine-time amateur athletic union champion. Safe to say she has racked up quite a list of accomplishments in the world of karate. And Elisa is going to join us to talk about an injury that occurred to her during her career when she made a comeback more recently as the karate was in, became an Olympic sport and Elisa made a, a drive to uh, try and reach the Olympics. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Elisa Al. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the Injured List podcast. I have with me three-time world karate champion, Elisa Au, originally from Hawaii, now via Chicago, Illinois. And um, too many accolades for me to list, (laughs) but I will have all that stuff linked in the episode show notes. Feel free to peruse her website where you can learn a lot more about her than we may cover here this evening. But um, Elisa, welcome to the podcast and um, thank you for joining us. And as you may not know, or maybe you do, and a lot of our listeners know, we focus on athletes who've gone through injuries throughout their career, whether it be uh, through sport or some other type of event, and how that kind of has impacted their athletic career. And your injury uh, is a very common one that we hear a lot about, especially on TV these days, and we've been hearing a lot about it for a long time. It's nothing new to me in the healthcare field, but it's new to, uh, it's a lot, you know, a lot of it's new to our listeners, and that's the, an ACL injury of the knee. 
And we've heard about it because a lot of high profile uh, athletes have had it, yourself included. And this happened to you back in 2018, correct? And you had surgery. And that was during a comeback in your career, not quite in the peak of your career, but during a comeback. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to know how you got your start. And it was at a very young age growing up in Hawaii. So maybe you can kind of take us back to there and go through with us uh, how you got your start and how it kind of evolved from there. Okay. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. My pleasure. Um, but yeah, I started karate at the young age of five. Uh, it just ended up being this after-school activity that I got interested in. I think I you know, brought a flyer home from school or something. And it just so happened that the YMCA right across the street from my house uh, offered karate classes and you know, told my parents I wanted to give it a shot. So I started at five, um, did like the lesson thing for a couple of years. Uh, and then I started getting into competitions, maybe around age seven, eight, nine. And that's when I, uh, I think I went to my first nationals when I was nine or 10. And that's when I really understood like, oh, wow, this is a actual sport, a thing that I can really like, you know, get into. And, and, and that's when I really, really started to enjoy karate was, was, uh, when I started competing. And uh, I mean, you were at a very high level, uh, competing for an Olympic spot multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you, uh, educated me about was, and I didn't realize this going in is the actual limited number of available U S Olympic team spots for karate. I had no idea. I just assumed it was like every other Olympic sport where they would take a field of athletes and go over, but that's not true in karate. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, it's actually the case for a lot of the combat sports. Um, People assume that, you know, Team USA can bring one representative per, you know, category or division to to the Olympics. And that's not what happens. Um, There's this whole like pre-competition process uh, like, you know, like how other sports have Grand Prix, World Cups and so forth. We had the same thing. We call them K-1s or Premier League tournaments. And um, and you basically get points. And the whole Olympic process was to uh, to qualify 10 athletes per weight class. And those weight classes were combined um, as well. So not just your normal world championship weight classes, like a combined, a consolidated uh, set of weight classes. Um, and one of those spots was dedicated to the host country, Japan. So really we were fighting for nine spots and, uh, yeah, it was a process that took about a quad. So three and a half years. Um, and then at the very end, there were still two or three spots dedicated to this last chance qualification tournament. And in that championship, um, it was in Paris in June. I was the one U S athlete that went for my, like I was the representative from the U S trying for that last chance spot. Oh, wow. Um, so me and, and one person from every country was in that category oh, wow. trying to get those last, last remaining spots. That's a, And so, I mean, so you had a whittle down from a field of ha- about how many U.S. athletes were probably. Um, yeah. I mean, in like the- in nationals, you can have like, you know, our nationals are not extremely large uh, just due to the fact that we're not like a NCAA sport or a professional sport, but sure. you know, like 20, 20 athletes at nationals. So I had to get my number one seed in, uh, in us first. And then from there I was able to represent in Paris. And then you got to win again, essentially. I mean, it seems like you got to basically take yeah. home multiple first place or number one rankings. Right in order right, to then right. have a chance to go for a gold medal. So, yeah, I mean, really of, of all the athletes I've spoken to, and we've spoken with a few who are Olympians, and I've met a few Olympians over the years, um, that's probably got to be the hard, one of the hardest 
And like you said, if some of the other combat sports like that too, you can imagine, mm-hmm. what, you know, my listeners can only imagine what type of competition and how cutthroat that is. That's unbelievable. Right. Now you had a lot of success very early in your career and you had multiple championships. In fact, you're one of um, only a f- maybe the only female martial artist to title in multiple events. Is that correct? Am I, do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Um, so, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay, so, you know, like karate is this big, broad, uh, you know, uh, uh, sport, if you will. Um, and it's, it's actually different from Taekwondo and Judo, and there's a bunch of other martial art, arts out there as well, but specifically in karate, um, there's even different federations. So the federation that is recognized by the international Olympic committee is called the world karate federation or WKF. So there, there'll be other federations out there that have world championships. And they're good events, but the one that's recognized by the IOC is the WKF. Um, And within the WKF, I'm the only female American to win a world championship. Uh, There's only two other men, American men who've won in the past. And, um, and on top of that, the other thing that I think that you, that you're trying to hit on is that, um, that (laughs) no, like worldwide, not just in America, worldwide. I'm the only female who ever got two individual gold medals at one of the WKF World Championships. So there's a male who did it um, two years after me, and I'm the only female. And so that that hasn't happened uh, since. That that's impressive to say the least. I mean, I've I've worked a lot of sports over the years during my career, uh, which spans about 20 years, and I've worked you know with a lot of athletes. Um, th- that's a significant achievement. Um, And there's not many sports that uh, are as challenging because, I mean, when you look at like an individual sport like tennis, per se, right? Like there's so many tournaments throughout the course of the year. Mm -hmm. There's so many opportunities to take home a title. In karate, you're really, what is it, maybe once or twice a year that you're competing at at like a significant, highly competitive event where you can take home a title like that, correct? Correct. Right. At the, you know, back when I, when I did that in 2004, there really weren't too many other big events. So that was the main event. Everyone trained for that event. That was the highlight of the every other year. You yeah. know, it only happened every only other two year. year. Yeah. So it makes it more difficult. Every, it, huh? was, it was everything to everyone. Since then, they've started to introduce these like premier league events that I was mentioning earlier. Um, so now there's more international competition, but still the highlight for a karate athlete is the world championships. Yeah. Um, aside from the Olympic games. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's awesome. And this for you happened pretty quickly in your career. I mean, very young in your career, correct? Yeah, I was lucky. It was, uh, 21 and 23 when I, when I made those, uh, when I hit those titles. Um, so very early in my career. And and then you took some time off to kind of focus on some other things, started a business, right? You were actually instructing and had your own karate school, um, teaching others and had some success with that as well. You had some students that actually were very successful under your tutelage. Um, any, any, uh, you want to give us some info on that or do some shout outs maybe to those? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been teaching since I was, I mean, I've been assisting since I was like 12 years old. Um, I've always been, you know, helping others, you know, whether it's a junior instructor or actually, um, uh, teaching others, you know, the, the one girl who went to the Olympics for karate, um, I was there the first day she started karate and I was kind of like her, you know, junior helper. So I've known her since her very first day of karate, um, and, and have, uh, you know, um, been, you know, 
uh, a mentor in her early karate karate career, if you will. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I've, I've always taught, I've always coached. Um, I've had kids on junior national teams, uh, senior national teams who, you know, who I were, was their personal coach. Uh, and I continue to do that. So I continue to help people um, who are on national teams, not just in U.S. national teams, but other national teams. Cool. That's, that's awesome. It's a nice feeling, I'm, I'm sure, as an athlete who's been successful to then be able to translate that as a coach too and know that you had some role in uh, somebody becoming very successful on their own as well. So I congratulate you on that too. Um, yeah, and I'm sure thanks. you're, you're uh, a lot of times athletes are more proud of that uh, accomplishment sometimes than they are of their own. And maybe you're no different. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's harder because, you know, you have less control. Yeah. You know, you really want them to do well and you're so proud of them when they do well. But at the end of the day, it's them. It's their journey. So yeah. it's it's this like nerve wracking position to be in the coach's seat. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's kind of how I, my whole career has been on the on the coach's chair, on the trainer's chair, just watching yeah. my athletes come back from injury and hopefully succeed and do well. And a lot of them mm-hmm. do. So it's it's nice to watch that uh, on my end as well having never competed at anything to that level. So yeah. um, although I did do some Aikido once, but I hurt my back. Oh, cool. So that was short lived. Uh, yeah. Got up to yellow belt and then it wasn't happening after that. Um, <laughs> we won't, that's a whole nother story for another time. Um, so what fueled your comeback? Because I mean, you were out of the sport competitively for quite right. a while. Yep. So that's what, right. what fueled was... your comeback? What, what, what yeah. was it? What was that spark? Or was there any moment where you're like, okay, time to throw my hat back in the ring. Let's get to it. Totally. It was, it was just like, it was one day. Um, so, you know, karate have, has not been the Olympic games. Uh, t- Tokyo was its debut. And so, you know, as an athlete, as an international, uh, athlete, I've always wanted, dreamed of being on that Olympic stage. And so even when, you know, I was doing so well back in the two th- early two thousands, I just kind of had that, Oh, but I wish we could also go to the Olympics, like the world championships. That's great. I'm, I'm proud of my, what I've done, what I've accomplished, but I really want to be in the Olympics, but can't make that happen. So, um, so I retired from the sport when I was 30, uh, had two kids, uh, living the life. And then, um, and then, uh, and then it got the, we got the call that karate was going to be in Tokyo. And I did the math and I was like, Oh, I will be 39. That's quite old, but that's not too old. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I'm still training with my athletes at the dojo. I'm still working out. I'm in fairly good shape. Yeah. AJ, um, nothing but a number to, to some degree. That's true. I mean, I've seen a lot of patients that are very old, but physiologically they're, they're quite young when you yeah, look at them. And, yeah. yeah. I, I tried to stay in good shape throughout, you know, um, even have, after having kids, I tried to, you know, just always stay, stay in, in good form. And, and then I, I just thought, I know myself, I'm super competitive. If I just sit and watch these other, you know, young adults, uh, go for it and just, you know, just, just watch, it's going to kill me inside. So I got to give it a shot. Even if it's a super long shot, I've got to, I've got to try. So, um, so I did, so that's what I did. And I, I know a lot of people supported me, but maybe deep down inside didn't really believe in me. I think those are two different things. Um, and Honestly, I knew it was going to be a, a, a long shot as well, but yeah. I just knew that it was going to be good for me to to go for it and not to just let that moment um, pass me by. So yeah. I, after seven years of being out of competition, I, I, I jumped back in the ring and started competing again in nice. about 2017. Yeah, I think I think most athletes know, right? Like deep down, you're like, okay, listen, I'm going to do this because, mm-hmm. because you don't want to be sitting back 10 years from now, 15 years and be like, what if, right? And yep. if this moment only comes around once in a lifetime, which for you it did at an older age, but 
you felt good. You knew you could at least give it a shot. Right. How could you not? Right. And I'm sure right. deep down, you probably knew like it's going to take a lot more, you know, than it did, you know, 20 years ago when you were 23, mm-hmm. winning all those titles and were on mm-hmm. top of your game. I think most athletes have that realistic picture of what to, you know, their expectations are. And, um, I don't think they need anybody else telling them that, <laughs> right. but it definitely helps to have some support. So I understand what you're saying about supporting you, but yet, you know, there's two different streets that people can go sure. down on that one. Um, so you come back, you're competing mm-hmm. and then you get knocked down. Like yeah. literally, yeah, you, you, <laughs> you injure your knee. And this was, was this during a tournament? Yeah, it was at the US Open, uh, you know, feeling good, being in the home home crowd. Um, and it was the last like six seconds of the final match. Uh, uh, I was winning and I just collapsed uh, and it just it gave out. Yeah. I, and I got I back up, tried to do like the time. Danielson thing. And, oh, no. And I tried I tried to finish it off. I, I, I actually I did finish the match, but very poorly. <laughs> like I, I was on one foot literally. Uh, um, and I had to get escorted off the, off the mat because you know, it was you know too much. I can't tell you how many times it's like toward the very end or like with, with a minute or six seconds left, or it's like yeah. so often it happens. I don't know if that's just coincidental. I'm sure it is, but it's just seems like every story I hear, right. it's like right at the very end or right when they were about to do something great, you know, or they did do something yeah. great. And it just like was toward the end that, yep. that it's just gut wrenching. Um, right. so you had surgery, you tore your ACL. Mm-hmm. Did you have any mm-hmm. other structural damage in your knee that you're aware of that they had to address? Unfortunately not. Yeah. No okay. meniscus, nothing else. Good. Um, yeah, I think there might've been just a little damage maybe on my kneecap, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was just the, the complete tear of the ACL. Yeah. So that's, I mean, if you're going to have an ACL injury, you the ideal ACL injury to have, if there is one, is an isolated okay. one. <laughs> You know, you don't want to have those meniscus injuries. And a lot of people are always coming to me like, Brian, I don't get it. He had an ACL. Guys are coming back at nine months, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but you got to realize like there's a lot of other associated injuries with an ACL injury. It's not always just an isolated ACL injury. And when yeah. you start factoring in all those other potential injuries, it really complicates things and murkies the water. It doesn't always lead to a very straightforward recovery. Mm-hmm. Take me through yours. Now, most of these guys and most of these athletes we hear about that are getting injured with this are during the peak of their career or maybe mm-hmm. early on in their career. Right. Um, you're toward the end and you're trying to make a comeback. Right. How did you then do it? Um, um, you got to fill us in. I mean, yeah, that's got to be very demoralizing. Number one, having that happen. You know, you're here, you are, you're getting your chance at the Olympics. You're feeling good. You're going for it. Right. We don't, ex- you know, nobody expects to have that happen. Yeah. Um, it, it how do you totally bounce back caught, from that? It totally caught me off guard. I, you know, went through my entire career the first round without any injury, maybe a slight concussion here and there, but nothing that put me back. And then, um, and then this happens and I knew what it was. I, I, I kind of had an idea because I've had friends who've torn their ACLs. And so it was the first thought that came to my mind. And when they did that check, um, I, I could tell on, on the doctor's face, like, you know, something's <laughs> yeah. not right. Um, so I immediately went to the worst case scenario. Oh, this is over. I, I came back for a year and a half and it's done already. Like I, it's like, I'm, I'm finished, you know, I, what a waste, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling all bad for myself. Um, but you know, I just had to take it step by step and really trusting what the doctors and therapists were saying that is 
in the realm of possibility. So after I did, you know, did the, the MRI and, and just and and talked about what um, options I had, which was one, get surgery, yeah. um, but talking about like how quickly I could turn around and come back and, and so forth. Then I started to get back into that uh, positive mindset thinking, OK, well, this is definitely not part of the plan, but I'm not out of it yet. The Olympics aren't in six months. You know, we still got two years. So what can happen? What are some possibilities? So, you know, it, it it definitely ended up not being the path that I thought it would be. I thought it would be this, you know, part two, Elisa doing great, like back to her, you know, her original form as an athlete. But it was definitely a different experience the second time around. Um, but I'm glad that I, you know, that I, even though I, I, I went through that, that, that um, roadblock that I was able to to still see past that and see the opportunity. You, you bring up a really, well, so two things. Number one, when an athlete has this injury, they often go through that thought process that you had mentioned. I mm-hmm. can't imagine what it must be like, though, having two children, being 30 plus years of age. And now you're like, now you're thinking probably like, is this going to mess up? my ability to play with my kids? Am I going to be able to do normal stuff without having any issues, you know, like climbing stairs and doing, and then to have to be like karate on top of it and Olympics on top of it. I mean, that's like, wow, what a double whammy there. But what the other point that I wanted to make that you brought up was like you said that the Olympics were not in six months, they were in two years. Mm -hmm. And we had talked before this interview a little bit and I had asked you the question about, when did you actually feel like you were kind of back to normal where mm-hmm. you almost forgot that you had gone through this and woke up and were like, okay, we're good. Let's do it. And yeah. you told me what, do you remember your answer? It must've been like a year and a half, almost two years after. Exactly. It was about yeah. 18 months or so. And, mm-hmm. and I was like jumped all over that because one of the questions I always get asked the most, not just of, from my patients, but also from a lot of listeners and from people who come to me for advice is, you know, how long does it take to recover? And I'm like, well, that depends on what you mean by recover. You know, uh, are you looking just to get back out there and start doing stuff? I mean, you can be back doing that nine months. You can be running, changing directions, cutting, sprinting, whatever. I said, Mm -hmm. but are you looking to get back to where you were? I said, Mm -hmm. for for some people that can sometimes take a year and a half, sometimes even up to two years before guys or athletes are like, yeah, I'm good. I don't have any issues. I'm back to doing what I'm doing. And they're back to that elite level. So the yep. fact that you can speak to that and, it, and the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, like you were this close, right? To making mm-hmm. it a year and a half after, actually almost two years after your ACL injury. But like you said, I mean, it took that long. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. And that's like, you know, if, at first when the injury first happened, I was really down and out. But after I had the plan for getting back in, back into it and the recovery process I actually got really competitive because that's my nature. Um, so reading like what other people, how long it took them to get back to sport, you know, everyone was saying, Oh, seven months is really fast. I'm like, I can do it. You know? So I got really competitive about that, but you're totally right. I did get back to sport. In fact, my first competition back was the 2018 world championships. It's not an easy tournament to come back to. Um, but I really didn't feel myself to like mid early 2020. It, yeah. it really did take a, a while. And that was a, a tough pill to swallow because it was frustrating. Like I wanted to go, 
but it just my 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 body wasn't cooperating. Yeah. It well, just needed that time. I think to- you echo the sentiments of every high level athlete because their expectations are not quite like mine, right? Like an average Joe, where um, I'm just happy to wake up and not have pain or swelling. But you know, when you get to your status. Uh, as far as athleticism and competitiveness and level of competitiveness, the expectations are much higher. You know, I yeah. should be here. Why am I here? And you, you yep. find yourself getting stuck in these ruts when, when in fact you are not. And that's, exactly. I think, a very important point for people to take home from this conversation. Yeah, totally. um, and and even for those fans who are just watching, wondering why their favorite athlete or their, you know, their team member or whatever is not back to where they should be because these things right. take time. Uh, you. you can't fast forward the clock, unfortunately, on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business, and it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So 
let me hang up my sports medicine healthcare provider hat for a second because I have a question. This is like the million dollar question because I know everyone's going to be asking me about this after I talk to you. And if I don't ask, I'm going to get an earful. How did you not get sucked into like the whole MMA and all that stuff? Given your oh, background, I mean, like you would probably translate into that like perfectly. No, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people I know that just love martial arts in general. So they'll start with karate, then they'll go do a little judo, jujitsu, kickboxing. And I have so much respect for those people that, you know, that just that that enjoy the whole martial arts. And really, I think MMA is is a good is a good avenue for those types of, of, of athletes. For me, I just really liked karate. <laughs> like That's all I like. I, I just really like it. I'm not interested in grappling. I'm not yeah. interested in, in the other martial arts. And, um, and, and I did get a few concussions early on in uh-huh. karate, you know, karate is not full contact, but it's not no contact. Yeah, no, I don't think any martial art could kind of say that, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> and so, so, you know, just thinking about my well being long term. Yeah. I know that, you know, something full contact is probably not in the cards for me. It's just, it's probably not a good idea. I just want to, you know, uh, keep my, my mental health and brain health. Probably a uh, wise decision. For the long term. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The other question I wanted to ask you was um, to, so uh, the style of karate that you uh, chose Mm -hmm. to do, and maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit about that. If they're sure. interested in possibly getting started, you know, how, how do you, how did you go about finding that? Um, did you gravitate mm-hmm. that for a reason or is it just something you kind of fell into and maybe you can yeah. just go into some of the differences? Okay, sure. Yeah. It's because it is a little bit uh, confusing for, you know, for the average person. So, you know, uh, especially here in America, we do say karate. And a lot of times we don't really realize that we're also, we're just referring to martial arts in general. So, you know, there'll be like a Taekwondo school in your, in your neighborhood. And that's not karate. That's Taekwondo. It's, it's two different uh, martial arts and Taekwondo comes from from uh, Korea, karate originates in Okinawa and Japan. So, although they look similar, um, there are some differences in terms of uh, origins and so forth. I mean, back in the day, like olden days, you know, all the martial arts were were training with each other. Like the, I think it's funny because martial arts, the original martial arts is MMA. It's like yeah. you know they they knew everything, but then they started becoming like specialists and right. and breaking off. So. Karate, uh, you know, it went from Okinawa to Japan. And then when it was in Japan, it kind of broke into four different styles. So we're, we're not talking about Taekwondo or, or Judo anymore. We're talking about just within karate. Um, and there's so there's four like major styles. Uh, the ones that maybe some listeners are familiar with is Shotokan and Shitoryu, because those are the two like really popular ones here in the U.S. and, and worldwide. They're the kind of ones that went out into the world, you know. Um, but even on top of that, there's been offshoots like Kempo Karate or like, you know, like there's the more like different, different offshoots that, that have happened outside of Japan. Um, so it's not like a pure thing anymore. It's, it's very, it's, you know, there's lots and lots of different offshoots, but the style I came up in is Shitoryu, uh, one of those four, you know, traditional, if you will, uh, styles that came sure. from Japan. Um, and that's what, that's what I came up in, you know, as a kid and growing up in Hawaii. What, what kind of defines that style? Um, so you're comparing the, the Japanese martial arts, the four different martial arts, uh, Shitoryu is more of that, like quick moves, um, uh, quick detailed moves, finesse. Um, yeah. So as compared to the other major style that people are familiar with Shotokan, which are bigger moves and it's more about power, 
um, and uh, yeah, and dynamic movements, whereas Shitoryu is more of like the small movements, like yeah. a little closer to Kung Fu, if you will. Like, you know okay. how you imagine Bruce Lee. Right. So that was going to be my movement. next. Yeah, I was going to kind of bring that up next. How, you know, a lot of people, they associate Bruce Lee with just about every known martial art there is, but it's mm-hmm. not, in fact, the case. <laughs> he, yeah, it's not the he case. He studied yeah. Kung Fu, which is another completely different. Exactly. Coming from skills. China. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's all martial arts, but, and there's so many similarities. Cause like I said, back in the day, they're, you know, martial artists just from different regions of Asia, but, yeah. um, but eventually they did kind of like regionalize and, and, and go into their own specialized, you know, styles. Awesome. Very good explanation, by the way, that I think should clear, clear it up for a lot of people who listen, including yeah, myself. Good. Um, good. so Elisa, tell me how, how did, so, Fast forward, here we are today. What are you up to? What are you doing now? And how did going through that whole injury thing that far into your career at that comeback, how did, how did that kind of change things for you now where you're at or did it? Um, I mean, you know, I came back. My comeback was really for the Olympic Games. And so everyone knows the Olympics are over now in 2021. Um, but, you know, I did train this hard and get this far that, uh, there is the world championships at the end of this year. And that's going to be my final dance. Um, so I've, you know, I'm, I'm that, I I just made it that close, you know, and, and it's just a few more months of training. I figured why not? Um, I always love the world championships. It's my favorite tournament. Where Um, where are those going to be? How well I've done. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to finish it there. It's in Dubai and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to finish it, you know, whatever the outcome I know that it's time. Um, starting to feel the differences in my body, like just recovery rates and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm also just really busy with, you know, my kids are getting older. They're, sure. they, they've got their own passions and things now that I want to support. Um, and then I've got also, you know, with uh, with my career as well. So there's, there's definitely other things to focus on. Um, so this will be the last hurrah and I'll, I'll enjoy every minute of it. So what, what are your plans after that? Do you have anything lined up as well, far as just, karate goes, I should say? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, karate goes. Yeah. I, I would like to just continue to coach other athletes. You know, um, it's always been a passion of mine to coach the next generation. I'm really interested in creating opportunities for the next generation. Um, and that's, you know, that's not just going to happen for me single-handedly. That's definitely going to be me being part of a bigger project, a bigger movement. So I want to be involved in that, you know, forward progress with karate in terms of where it is here in the U S or even worldwide. Um, and, and one offshoot of that would be coaching athletes, but you know, if I can help bring karate to a bigger stage, then I'd be interested in doing that as well. Nice. I think you'll do just fine, whatever path you choose and whatever thing you put your mind to. I have no doubts about that. Um, well, I'll be rooting for you. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it to Dubai, even though I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> One day I'll get there, but I'll be rooting for you. Hopefully I'll be able to yeah. tune in somehow and watch from the, the States here. Thank um, you. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. I'll, I'll be uh, rooting for you. Um, so I want to say thank you to joining us uh, this evening to talk. And uh, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Maybe let people know where they can find you if maybe they have some questions or um i don't know are you doing any type of public speaking stuff or doing any of that kind of thing um 
Yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, a lot of what I focus on now is just how athlete, how as an athlete, I can take that mindset and that grit and, you know, planning, um, goal setting and transfer it over to to business. Um, and so I think that's something that can be of, you know, value to a lot of people out there. Uh, it, we we do sports, you know, one, because we love it, but also because it, you know, we put our kids in sports because we think it's going to teach them, you know, values and and get them like to work hard and, and so forth. And I feel like I'm living proof that that actually happens. So I want to apply, you know, all that that I did in karate towards towards like how I can help others with running their businesses, uh, for example. So that's what I do now. I, you know, I help small business owners. Um, grow their business. And one part of it comes from my own experience with running a business, but two, it, it also comes from being an athlete. So I use a lot of things I learned from being an athlete to help uh, people with goal setting and leadership. Like those are the two areas where I feel like I've, I've learned a lot through the sport of karate, you know, being um, a captain of the U S national team, being able to lead my team for th those many years, you know, at, uh, um, in events and, and competitions, it, I think it does, it's very transferable to, to running a business. So I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah that, that totally is. Yeah. You have yeah. to be able to, you have to be able to, um, you know, have, be focused, stay dedicated, uh, manage a team, uh, work with others. I mean, it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. you're absolutely right. And, um, I've got, uh, I'll have, any uh, links to Elisa's websites will be in the show notes of this episode. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to her website, uh, www.elisaau.com. That's E-L-I-S-A-A-U.com. And then yeah. whatever, uh, any other links, uh, Elisa will provide me. I'll put them in the show notes. And yeah. um, well, look for her at the World Championships in Dubai <laughs> soon, right? Yep. You said how, how far away? Yeah, it's in November. It's awesome. just, just a couple months away. All right. Well, we'll be rooting for you here on the injured list. And I'm sure my listeners will be too now that they've heard you on my episode here. So, um, Thank you. ladies and gentlemen, Alisa Al, uh, multiple time world karate championship going for maybe one more, hopefully, huh? Yeah, we'll see. That'd be Thank awesome. You. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com.